a Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Welcome into the STL All Local Podcast from KMOX. We've got the day's big headlines and also the latest in our investigative series. And our top local story on this Wednesday, April 19th, there was still no charging decision in a theft where a first responder is accused of stealing and then fraudulently using an accident victim's debit card. This happened in February, where four young people died after being hit by a reckless driver at Forest Park Parkway and Grand. Four other people survived, and one of those victims alleges a first responder asked him for his ID but never gave it back. Then, a few hours after the fatal accident, the victim's credit card was used. Sergeant Charles Wall says they do have a person of interest, but still no charges. Investigators are seeking an at-large warrant application with the circuit attorney's office. However, the circuit attorney's office has requested some additional follow-up investigative work from those investigators. There is video of the wreck and subsequent scene, but Wall tells KMOX's circuit attorney wants more records from the fraudulent credit card transaction. Maria Kina, KMOX News. St. Louis County crews are out filling potholes, an average of 15,000 a year. County Executive Sam Page says they hear about potholes a lot. County crews also have a number of major resurfacing projects that'll get underway this spring. He says they'd like to do more, but they don't have the money. Inflation has elevated the costs of our road and bridge projects by 70% over the assumptions our transportation department made when our budget was drafted at the beginning of the year. Page says the federal transportation infrastructure bill had the unintended consequence of making costs surge because of demand for labor and supplies. Currently, he says the county road fund has a $40 million deficit. The city's proposed budget unveiled today calls for a 7% increase in spending. Police, firefighters, and other city employees get raises, many of 3%. Recycling and other aspects of trash disposal could cost $3.5 million more, according to the Post-Dispatch. Now that a judge has set a trial date for the Attorney General's case to remove Kim Gardner, KMOX legal analyst, Brad Young explains what happens next. So we're going to know next week whether the case is dismissed and whether Kim Gardner stays in office pending the trial setting in September. A prominent local defense attorney says the effort to remove Gardner from office is warranted. Defense attorney Scott Rosenblum says the backlog of cases, the missed deadlines, the failure to share evidence with defense teams in the circuit attorney's office is something that we have never seen before. And, and what's frustrating um, to me, it has absolutely nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with competence. And her most ardent supporters, if if they would take a hard look at who the victims are in this case, they're members of their community. The Gardner case has been set for trial tentatively in September unless the judge okays a pending Gardner motion to throw it out. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. Alleged Russian election meddling lands three St. Louisans in federal court. Three St. Louis residents have been indicted in Florida for election interference and spreading Russian propaganda. They're associated with the Uhuru Center in South St. Louis that was raided by the FBI last summer. Omali Yeshitela and two associates along with a fourth American and three Russians, are charged with sowing discord and acting as agents for the Russian government. Yeshitela released a statement saying he looks forward to his day in court. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. It's an accusation of election fraud in East St. Louis. Mayoral candidate Marie Franklin says she witnessed the counting of mail-in ballots this Tuesday for the April 4th election, and signatures were not matching up. Franklin says 19 of 40 ballots in just one precinct did not match. There was certainly a concerted effort by someone to send these ballots in that, were, that did not belong to these people, that they signed their name. 
There was even some we saw where they signed the name and they spelled it wrong. East St. Louis Elections Director Candace Mosby says she's confident her office conducted the election properly. Councilman Charles Powell defeated Mayor Robert Eastern in the final tally Tuesday. A celebration last night in Clayton of 10 years of the St. Louis Mosaic Project, an effort to bring more immigrants and foreign-born to the St. Louis region. David Kemper of Commerce Bank Shares helped fund the initial study that kicked off the effort. I hope you've read this study. Uh, it's not very long, but it confirmed what we all intuitively knew, that immigrants are self-selected entrepreneurs, they're hard workers, and they're hugely beneficial to the community. In St. Louis over the years has just not gotten our fair share. The number of people coming to the U.S. and to St. Louis has picked up once again. Another effort of Mosaic is to lure immigrants from other cities to our region. The KMOX business desk, Dillard's, is apparently in the strongest financial position of the remaining department stores. S&P upgraded the company's outlook, noting Dillard's ratio of debt to cash on hand is the lowest leverage of any department store. Also says it's had a smart merchandising strategy and an overall conservative approach. Dillard's owns almost all of its store's real estate, one downside, the continuing shift from in-store to online. Still, Little Rock, Arkansas-based Dillard sales rose 5% last year. Now, KMOX virtual consumer editor, Megan Lynch. As you've heard on KMOX, some schools in the St. Louis area are monitoring everything your child does online. Administrators say it's for students' protection. Online safety advocates say it's teaching young people a much different lesson. Hear their concerns today as we continue our series, S is for Surveillance. Nothing was your own except the few cubic centimeters inside your skull. Many of us read George Orwell's 1984 in school, a vision of a future where surveillance saturates society. About half of students said that when they know they're being uh, monitored, they do not feel comfortable expressing their true thoughts and feelings, so they're actually repressing. The Washington, D.C.-based Center for Democracy and Technology surveyed students, parents, and educators about software that tracks online activity. And so that can be anything from knowing when a student has logged in to being able to use um, technology to scan their messages and their documents looking for concerning information, all the way to actually enabling teachers to see in real time and even take control of what a student is doing. The center's Elizabeth Laird, Director for Equity and Civic Technology. One of the first troubling issues for Laird is awareness. The center's research found one in five parents has no idea whether their school is using this type of software. And most of these programs run in the background. Um, so there's no visual indication of this happening. And so, you know, a number of um, students or families find out that it's happening when they're contacted about an alert that they didn't know was even being run. Another concern, how data gathered on students is being used. While the stated purpose is to keep students safe, our research shows that it's actually far more common to be used for disciplinary purposes. Nearly 80% of teachers told researchers their school has used these surveillance tools to detect policy violations and target students for discipline. And that is, that is much higher than any student that's been flagged for you know, a mental health crisis, for example, to be you know, given help and assistance. Just half of teachers surveyed say it's been used to get students' behavioral intervention. Then there's worry that what happens on school devices and school networks doesn't always stay on school grounds. When these alerts are coming in after hours, 37% of teachers said that 
those alerts get automatically forwarded and shared with law enforcement. And 44% of teachers say that they know a student who has been contacted by law enforcement because of this software. All of this has Laird and others asking if the desperation to keep kids safe is actually causing greater damage. Disciplining them and putting their life on a totally different path can be harmful to them. Sharing this information with law enforcement where there really aren't limitations around what they can do with it can reinforce the school to prison pipeline. You know, using this technology in the name of mental health, but then the result is that students are actually suppressing their true thoughts and feelings are not accessing resources that could help them because they know that they're being tracked. That can have a negative, you know, mental health implication. Do we want to be labeling either intentionally or unintentionally children before they've even graduated middle school? You know, that's that's very worrisome to me. Emily Churkin is a former middle school English teacher, a parent of an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. She's known as the screen time consultant, calling herself an advocate for better technology practices. I'm a former teacher, so I have a lot of, I want to believe that what the relationships we're building in school are based on trust. And when we are surveilling students, whether they know it or not, how is that going to help build trusting relationships? A lot of public scrutiny has been leveled at Gaggle, one of the major players in the student monitoring universe. For me, Gaggle, again, represents one of many companies that is profiting off of fear. It's this false sense of security, like we're, we're offloading this protection to another company, and we don't know what the interests of that company are. Churkin tells KMOX she shares concerns it will all go too far, and profiling will be the result. Giving that information or data to law enforcement, right, so that they can make predictions about which kids might go on to, you know, commit a crime. Well, that's hugely problematic, especially then if we layer in poverty or socioeconomics or race. A recent U.S. Senate investigation also raised concerns that low-income students who rely more on school-provided devices and networks for their internet access could be disproportionately impacted by online surveillance. Churkin tells KMOX what our children really need is help with social-emotional skills and face-to-face interaction. If you have a friend who's self-harming or has eating disorder issues, do we want an algorithm flagging it on her, her laptop? Or do we want her friend to say, hey, I'm worried about you. Can we go talk to the counselor together? Or like, go talk to the teacher. As we conclude our series, what you need to know as a parent. Who's watching the watchers, right? And where does the money come from? Where is the data going? Where is it being stored? How is it being used? That's in our next report. You can always find the STL All Local podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll have more tomorrow.